Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. me in your Bibles to uh, actually a scripture we shared a few weeks ago, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. I'll have this scripture on the, on the screen. So if you've missed the last few weeks, God has just kind of organically just developed this, this teaching uh, entitled The Speaking God. And I really have sensed such a strong anointing and breakthrough. There's been a lot of testimonies of God just setting people free uh, a few weeks ago, we spoke about the power of God's speaking voice, the voice that creates and transforms, the voice that resurrects Lazarus and so many other pictures in the Bible of the power of God's voice. That voice wants to speak to us each and every day. And that voice primarily, God wants to speak through his written word. And last week, we spoke about the power of God's truth, right? We spoke about the power of God's truth and, and the battle of, of the mind. And what I want to speak with you today, the last part of this, of the speaking God, is I want to speak to you on revealing the Father, the speaking God and revealing the Father. And I believe it ties deeply into what we've been sharing, especially last week. And as I just shared before, that there's a lot of distorted pictures of who your heavenly Father is. And I believe today that God wants to reveal himself. And here's the beauty. I'm just going to get right to the end. The same, the same mission that Jesus had of revealing the Father, is Jesus walking on this earth now? No. Jesus lives in us. <laughs> We're called to walk in the same mission of constantly revealing the Heavenly Father to people. Let's read this scripture right here, Hebrews chapter 1. It says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. So as we shared a few weeks ago, let me just reiterate this because it's laying down a foundation that this scripture tells us that from the beginning, God has always been speaking to us. Since, since, since the beginning of time, through, to, to our ancestors, by the prophets, God has been speaking. But in these last days, he has spoken a perfect word, the Son, Jesus Christ. Now, what I want to share specifically, what God was downloading, is that this speaking that is referenced in Hebrews chapter 1, there's a specific purpose about it. It's not just empty words. The speaking of God is, is accomplishing something. And in this context, primarily, it's God is speaking to produce revelation of himself. And so since the beginning, you could say God has always been revealing himself through the prophets at many times in many ways, but now God has, in a perfect way, revealed himself through the Son, Jesus Christ. That is why the scripture says that he is the exact representation of his being, which means this. This is so important. You have to stay with me. If you see Jesus, you see your Father in heaven. If you have any questions of who your Father in heaven is, if you read through things, especially in the Old Testament, if you read through things and say, man, I see what this is maybe saying, but when I look at the life of Jesus, I don't see this lining up. That means you need to adjust what you've read based on the life of Jesus. He's the perfect expression of the Father. He's the perfect revelation of the Father. So when you see him, you actually see who your heavenly Father is. In John 1, in the Gospel of John, in chapter 1, it's a famous portion of Scripture where it says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
And then later on in verse 14, it says, and, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Literally, Jesus' name, one of his names is the word with a capital W. It means his life is a continual communication of the Father. When the word became flesh, it means that the, the communication of God literally dwelt in a human form. And everywhere he went, his life was continually expressing and proclaiming and representing the very nature of the Father. Come on, this is important because when you see what he's done and what he's released to us, you're going to see a very similar purpose in our own life. So everywhere Jesus went, his life was a continuous message, a living message, which was pointing back to the Father. Why did Jesus come to the earth? Right away, we'd probably say, well, Jesus came to die for our sins. Absolutely. But listen to me. Why did he die for our sins? Does he just leave us there? It's to reconcile us back to the Father. You see, there's a lot of incredible points that we find in the Bible regarding Jesus' purpose here on earth. Setting the captives free, destroying the works of the devil, bringing the kingdom. But what I want to make clear to you that God was down in my heart this week is that these are all significant Incredible realities of Jesus coming to earth, but they serve as finer points to a greater truth that sums it up, which is that Jesus came to walk on this earth to reveal the Father and make a way for us to come back to the Father. Everything in his life points to this. And if we're not careful, we can get so caught up in the finer details, we miss what he's been trying to communicate to us. Let me just share a few scriptures with you to just show this, and then we're going to make some personal application. In the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 2, verse 49, you don't need to turn there, I'll just share it with you. Jesus and his family go to the, fast, uh, the, the festival of the Passover in Jerusalem. And when they leave, Jesus decides to stay. His parents, with the whole caravan, keep going. For some reason, they didn't recognize that Jesus wasn't with them. So here's just good news for every parent here. If you feel like you're struggling, you've never lost the Son of God, all right? So you're, you're okay. And for some reason, it took a full day before they recognized Jesus isn't with us. So they come back to Jerusalem, find him in the temple, teaching with such authority at the age of 12. And when Mary comes and basically says, why would you do this to us? He said, didn't you know I need to be in my father's house? In other words, he's saying, don't you know why I'm here? I'm here for my father's business. Fast forward to the end of his life when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, ready to be, to be betrayed. He says, Father, not my will, but yours. From beginning to end, Jesus has expressed this incredible truth that he has come to do the very will of the Father and to point to the Father. I want you to see this. I'm going to pull up on the screen. John chapter 14. The scriptures are littered with this incredible reality of Jesus revealing your heavenly father. And I can't share them all, so I'm just going to share this one right here that I feel like sums up a lot of the, the, the incredible truths of it. But if you're interested in seeing this, you can go to the gospel of John especially, any of the gospels, but especially John. In John chapter 14, verse 6, says this, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. So he establishes, I've come here to reveal the way to the Father, which is only through me. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice and substitution for us to come to the Father. But he's saying, I've come to make a way to the Father. That's my objective here. Jesus is a reconciler and a mediator. That's one of the terms they use of him. What is he reconciling us to? Us to the Father. Who is he mediating between? 
us and the Father. Everything about what Jesus is doing here on earth is to point us back to the Father. Listen to what it says here. If, verse 7, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip, I love Philip's response. No, we haven't. <laughs> How have we seen the Father? Listen to what Jesus says. In verse 8, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Verse 9, Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? I just feel God is just going to so just touch hearts here today. You need to know who your Father is. The, listen to this. The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Jesus was so committed to doing the will of the Father and only revealing the Father that he says, I won't even speak a single word unless the Father has told me to do so. He says, rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. He says this over and over. Even the works that he did, it was because the Father was doing. He says, I only do what I see my Father doing. Verse 11, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Verse 12, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. He literally says his coming to earth, his purpose on earth, and literally his leaving is all Father-centered. In John chapter 17, there's this incredible picture of Jesus praying with the Father. And in this, he essentially gives an account of his life before the Father. And I'll just summarize it, but basically what, the, what Jesus says, says is, I have manifested your name here on earth. I've made your name known. He says, I have declared your words. I have demonstrated your works. Those you have entrusted with me, I kept. Literally, Jesus, as he gives account of his life, he just proclaims that everything that you have asked me to do, I have done. I've done nothing outside of your will for my life. Why is that so important? Because if we could just begin to wrap our minds around this, then we understand that if the life if the words, if the works of Jesus are all for the primary purpose of revealing and pointing us to the Father, then when we see the life of Jesus in the Gospels interacting with people, we realize what Jesus is doing is he's revealing the Father's heart for us. How many of you know of a story of a woman that was caught in adultery? It says that Jesus was... Outside in the, in the temple area, and the scribes and the Pharisees brought this woman and threw her in the middle in the midst. And they had stones in their hand because they wanted to stone her according to the law. And they said, what would you do, Jesus? And Jesus says, kneels beside her, and he writes something in the dirt. No one really knows. There's been many things that they talk about, but no one actually knows what he wrote. But he stands up in front of everyone. And he says, he who's without sin cast the first stone. And then he kneels back down beside her again. And when he gets up, everyone left, starting with the oldest first. And he said, where'd they go? Is there no one here to condemn you? And he says, neither do I. Now go sin no more. But listen to me. The religious system wanted to destroy this woman. And Jesus knelt down beside her and said, you need to know something. Your father is for you. He's revealing the heart of the Father. Religion right now says you should die. But I want you to know that your Father sees you. 
and his heart is for you. Now, yes, go sin no more. He's not writing it off. Do you know that you can love people deeply and still not agree with, with the life that they're living? There's this confusion that if we actually walk in love, somehow we'll just lead people to live however they want. It's actually quite the opposite. Love is so powerful. It's transformative. And so Jesus kneels beside her and says, I know the world system is against you, but you need to know I represent your heavenly father and he is for you. I've heard it said this way, that really what was taking place here was a father-daughter moment. He was revealing the heart of the father for this woman. Do you know that there's another scene? There's, there's so many moments. you can look. Anytime you see Jesus, he's revealing the heart of the father. Do you know that there's, there's one scene where Jesus meets with a, a Samaritan woman? Samaritans will look down upon the fact that she was a woman in this culture also just lessens her in, in the social ranking. She doesn't even have a name. She's just called a Samaritan woman. And it says that Jesus goes out of his way to cross through Samaria, and you find out with intentional purpose to meet this woman. And when he gets to this well, it says that he sits and waits. The king waits for this woman. What kind of king is this? What kind of grace is this? He waits for this woman. It says that she comes to get water around noontime by herself. You know what that means? It means she's a social outcast because women would go together typically in the evening when it was cooler out. And this woman came by herself midday. And we know why, because later on Jesus would begin to speak to her about her promiscuous lifestyle. And so her culture said, you're not wanted. And Jesus comes and sits by her and reveals the heart of the Father for her. And says, do you know that your Father wants you and he sees you? When everyone else would say, I want nothing to do with you, the Father is willing to wait on you. Because he wants you so badly. And this woman winds up being a powerhouse evangelist in her own community. I tell you, with my natural eyes, I've missed this so many times. No, this person's done. How many times have we done that? This person will never make it. They'll never change. Man, I need the heart of the Father and the eyes of the Father for people who can see them as he seems. No, no, no. No, no. God can do miraculous things in this life. God is for you. When Adam and Eve were hiding, the father came to them. He didn't come to just crush them and humiliate them. He called them out of hiding to clothe them. The father is so good. And over and over, Jesus reveals this reality that the father is for us. Jesus reveals a father who is perfect, good, and absolutely crazy about us. And has made every provision necessary for us to be reunited with him. So much so that he laid down his very own life that we could come back to the Father. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus essentially teaches on why we're so worried about stuff. He says, why are you so worried about what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear? He says, look at the birds of the air. They have food. Look at the lilies of the field. They're clothed in beauty. Are you not more valuable than these things to your heavenly Father? That's how the unbelievers live. But you have a heavenly Father who's aware of these things. And is fully able to provide. Jesus, his whole life is pointing to the fact you have a good father who's aware of everything that's going on in your life. And he cares deeply about you and is fully able to provide everything that you need. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And you can trust in that. I think this is so important because there is such a distorted view of who the father is. A few months ago, I, I think I shared, maybe shared this at the very end of a service, but it's just worth repeating I don't know if any of you can relate to this, but for me, 
I had such a distorted view of the Father and the Son. I always thought the Father and the Son were at odds over us. I always thought the Father couldn't stand us, and it was Jesus that was basically pleading, saying, no, please, please, take them back. I felt like the Father was always in heaven like, these darn humans, <laughs> they're just unholy, and they're just so, they just messed everything up. I want nothing to do with them. And it's like Jesus slides in at the last minute and is like, no, take me, right, when the wrath of God's about to come. Who would want to be reconciled? We go around and say, the Father wants you, he wants to reconcile you. I don't want to be reconciled back to that Father. But I realize the Father and the Son are not at odds. For God so loved the world that he gave his Son. The Father sent his Son in the world not to destroy it, not to condemn it, but to save it. The Father is for you. It's his, we, the Father is not reconciled to us. We are reconciled to him. It's his plan. Amen. Do you even know that the wrath of God actually serves his goodness? You say, no, no, there's no way. Wrath and goodness in the same sentence? No, because wrath destroys sin. Do you know if, if, he, if he withheld his wrath, we would be stuck in sin separated from the Father? But because he loves you, he pours out his wrath, not on the sinner, but on sin, to reconcile the sinner back to himself because he wants you. So the Father, listen, the Father pours it out. He says, I always thought the Trinity comes together and says, man, we want man. The Father says, the only thing that will work is I have to pour out my wrath. And Jesus says, I'll take it for him. And then the Holy Spirit says, and I'll empower you through the whole thing, Jesus. And when you're buried in the grave, I'll resurrect you. And I'll bring you back to the Father. And then send me back to do it in them as well. The Father is so for you. He wants you. God is so much more interested in each of us than we probably even realize. Jesus at the Lord's Prayer. What did he say? How do we pray? They asked, how do we pray? He said, our Father. What an incredible truth that he was teaching. Do you know that at many times... I'll just share one, one in particular. In Mark chapter 14, verse 36, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was crying out to the Father. And you know what he said? He said, Abba, Father. I know a lot of you are probably aware of this, but Abba is an Aramaic term. It most likely would be equated in our culture as Daddy. This is an incredible truth. In fact, the Aramaic translation of the New Testament, often wherever Jesus says Father, it's often almost always Abba in the Aramaic. We just usually use the Greek a lot. Jesus constantly was referring to the Father as Abba. Do you know that this is such an intimate word? It's usually actually only used in a home, which I love that because we're called home church. <laughs> and it's usually by a child. In fact, it was one of the first words that a child would ever, would ever say. Like we say, Dada. A child says, Abba. Jesus teaches us how to relate to the Father. And he cries out, Abba, Daddy. I don't care how big, bad, and tough you are. There's a vacuum in our heart that longs to be able to say, Abba, Daddy. I know when I came into that realization, it wrecked me. He's a good father. And Jesus said he's not just some far-off, distant deity. He's intimate, like a daddy, and he wants you. So why did Jesus reveal the Father? Because this is what we lost in the garden. We walked with our Father, and sin separated that. And ever since that time, there's been a longing in the hearts of the people to know their father, whether they recognize it or not. All of our striving and going after other things is because there's something inside of us that needs to know our daddy. 
Do you know that John 17, 3, in that prayer of Jesus and the Father, he says, and this is eternal life? That they may know you, the one true living God? Why did Jesus reveal the Father? Because literally, eternal life is equated to intimacy with the Father. Heaven is not things that God has. Heaven is God himself and us being with him forever. It's the very thing that our hearts have been made for. And Jesus made a way to reveal the Father to us. Jesus reveals the Father because, listen to this, I want everyone to hear this. Jesus reveals the Father because we live in an orphaned world. Spiritually speaking especially, that's what I mean. We live in an orphan world where we are in need of knowing our heavenly Father. Identity issues, everything that comes, everything that we see in our life comes from this right here. Not knowing who our heavenly Father is. And that's not just for unbelievers. I've seen it in my life so often how I walk with an orphan spirit rather than in sonship. You say, what does that look like? There's so many things. It's critical. It's walking around constant anger. There's no joy. There's no joy in an orphan spirit. You, you live from jealousy because you're never really secure in yourself and your position. You don't understand the love and acceptance of the Father. You're always comparing yourself with other people. You're always tearing other people down. You have a, 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 a lack of self-esteem. The list goes on. Many of us see this in our own life. And I believe, too, that if there are people in this room that know, that know the Lord, you're truly born again, but, but you're still operating in orphan spirit. And Jesus wants to reveal the Father even more to you today to, to just heal that. Do you, do, you, do you know how important this is to know our Father? Do you know the, the, the culture that we live in today? Do you know the fatherhood issue that we have? Do you understand how important this is that even this is so important to our Heavenly Father, but it's compounded even more because we don't know, our, so many people don't know their earthly fathers? Can I just share some things that honestly just so grip my heart when I begin to read through this? And this is not just some off the beat website. According to the uh, U.S. Census Bureau in 2017, I want you to hear this. How badly we need, because I'm going to get to a point of where we're going to see our, our role now. How badly this world needs to know their Heavenly Father. In 2017, 19.7 million children, that's more than one in every four, live in a home without a father. So here's just some quick statistics that come with that. That household is four times greater risk of poverty. Girls that grow up in a home without a father are seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teenager. 85% of kids who exhibited behavioral problems live in a home without a father. They're more likely to be abused and neglected. They're more likely to, to use drugs. They're more likely to commit crimes. They're more likely to go to prison. They're two times more likely to suffer from obesity. They're two times more likely to drop out of high school. And listen to this, the youth suicide rate is five times higher for a child that does not grow up in the home with a father. Now listen to me, many of you here may have grown up with your life being in alignment with statistics like this. Let me just say that the father, Heavenly Father, he's a father to the fatherless. And he trumps every statistic there is out there. But we need to see that we live in an orphaned world that is longing to know their heavenly father. And Jesus wants to introduce you to him. So here's the heart of what I want to share. I shared all of that so you'd see Jesus' role. You'd see the power of knowing your father. But what is our mission in this? <laughs> if you could put up John chapter 20, verse 21. The 
the gospel of John, as I share, if there's any gospel that's so heavy on this theme of Jesus coming to reveal the Father, it's the gospel of John. And Jesus has, has been crucified and was resurrected. And before he ascends, he meets his disciples in a room and actually says he passes through the wall. Probably a little bit scary. <laughs> but he comes to the wall and he says, peace be with you. And then he reveals his, his scars in his hands and they see that it's him and they believe him. And listen to what he says. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Is Jesus sending us out to be saviors? Is he sending us out to be co-redeemers? Absolutely not. That's reserved for him. But Jesus says, as I was sent, I send you. In other words, as I was sent with the primary purpose of revealing the heavenly father, so now I am sending you into the world to reveal your father to his lost children. You understand that that's the incredible privilege that God has given us and responsibility to make the father known in a world that is so orphaned and dying because they don't know their heavenly daddy? Our lives, like Jesus, are called to be living epistles. Our lives, as we live in this earth, we are literally meant to be, as Jesus living in us, the word is continually being communicated through us so that when people see us, they see Jesus, and ultimately they see the Father. Everywhere we go, our lives should be continually revealing and expressing the heart of the Father for people. The very heart that we just went through is meant to be coming through our lives. People are dying to know what so many of us in this room are so sure and confident of, which is that we have a heavenly Father that loves us and wants us. People are dying to know that reality, and God has given us the commission to go out and make him known in this world. Let the heart of the Father be known through your life. Listen to, listen to John chapter 14, verses 22 to 23. This is a conversation between Judas and, and Jesus, and it's pretty self-explanatory. Listen to what it says. Verse 22 says, Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not the world? Jesus replied, Listen to this. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Do you hear what Jesus says? Judas says, wait, Jesus, this seems kind of narrow-minded. Why did you only reveal yourself to a small group of people? And he says, no, Judas, listen to me. If you love me and you obey my commandments, my father and I are going to come and make our home in you. In other words, we're still speaking and revealing ourselves, but it's going to be through your life now. Your life is a walking conduit to reveal the heavenly father. I cannot think of any greater privilege Jesus taught about being light, and he said when we're light, you don't hide it, but you put it in a place for all to see, and he, and he concludes that by saying, so too, you are the light of this world. He says, let your good deeds shine, so that what? So they may give glory to your Father. Let your life shine so that your life will bring glory to your heavenly Father, and, you will, and he'll be made known through your life. Our lives are continually communicating something. The question is, what is it? Jesus taught us he wouldn't even speak a word unless it was in line with the Father. And I understand that we are broken people. But our hearts should say, Jesus, we want to walk in alignment with that. 
every morning saying, God, don't let any of my actions to my own family, those I come in contact with, be out of alignment with who you are. Let my entire life represent you well. I'm not called to represent home church. I'm not called to represent anything else. My primary purpose is to reveal the Father by letting Jesus become everything in my life. Let me share this with you, though. When you begin to reveal heaven on earth, and when you begin to reveal what the Father's like, just be ready. Because the religious spirit hates that. The religious spirit hates that. And you see it over and over that when Jesus was revealing the heart of the Father, he was continually being come against. There's a lot I can share on that I'm not even going to get into, but just prepare yourselves that as you really walk with heaven on earth, the religious spirit opposes that. So how do we do this? How do we do this? Jesus reveals the Father. He reveals the Father because that's eternal life. We're an orphaned world that needs to know him. That's what we lost in the garden. Our mission is to walk now as he did and reveal the Father. How do we do this? It's simple. Listen, it's in everyday lives, right, wherever we are. But here's what the Lord said specifically. It's walking as sons and daughters. When you live in your identity, when you walk in sonship, you testify to who your father is. You see, a lot of us, you probably can relate to this. This is not always the case, but many times, especially when you look at young children, if a young ch child is acting pretty crazy, it's a pretty good indication that there's brokenness in that home. There's a reflection there to, to a degree of the parents. When, when, you, when you walk as a son and daughter, you are reflecting who your father is. Kind of a silly example, but I think it proves the point. My, my father is, is pretty good with electronics <laughs> and much better than I was. So throughout high school, college especially, after work, even to this day, if a printer goes down, my computer, I have a level of confidence because I know that my father is able to handle this. And as a result, my life reflects that confidence and it ultimately is reflecting who my father is. Listen, when you live in rest, you demonstrate to the world who your heavenly father is, that, that he has everything under control. When you walk in peace, you demonstrate to the world who your father is. When you walk in joy, you're demonstrating to the world how good it is to have your heavenly father and be in relationship with him. When you walk in confidence of his provision, you're testifying to the world who your father is. And therefore, as, as children of God, we have to walk in our identity in order to act, actually reflect the father here on earth. The last thing I'll share with that is walking in sonship, it means this, that Jesus' lives must become our life. There is no part of Andrew that can actually reflect the Father because sin has so stained my life. The only way for my life to reflect the Father is when I allow Jesus to become every part of my life. Romans 8.29 says that, that the Father is so committed to conforming our lives to the image of Jesus so that Jesus would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. The Father is so committed to having the life of Jesus dispensed in us and lived through us. Why? Because he's so committed to revealing himself still to his lost children. But the perfect revelation of him is Jesus, not Andrew. Which means my life has to go so that the life of Christ becomes my life. So that the only thing people see is Jesus in me. And then when they see Jesus in me, they actually see the Father. There's a lot of counsel that, that goes out there that it's not from the heart of the Father. 
I, to be honest, we're very broken people. So most of our counsel is not even alignment with the, the heart of the Father. We need Jesus. We need Jesus to become our life. We need a heart cry, just like Paul that said, it's no longer I that live, but Christ in me. Thank you for listening to Home Church's podcast. To go deeper into the message, text DEEPER to 66866. If you would like to give to this ministry, you can text the amount to 631-693-4176 or visit us at myhomechurch.org backslash give.